Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. One of the current topics they talk, we listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of a head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. The fourth week we have Graham Oates. He he was a partner um, in the KPMG UK office when I started my life there. KPMG, he was the partner actually. KPMG was my first job after graduation. So it was the place I grew up, um, developed a skill and knowledge in various industry sectors, where I did a lot of engagements, made great friends with colleagues and clients. Some I am, well, most I'm still friends with today. All this is in my sort of seven years or so I spent at KPMG. Graham was a constant there, the partner at the helm. So when he agreed to come on the show, this was during the, the start of the pandemic. It was like going back in time for me, a good 20 years or so. The fact that he remembered me and laughed when I asked, he said, of course, I remember you, Elaine. Uh, I wasn't sure if that was... um a good or a bad memory. I left it as that uh, and continue with the episode. Ha- have a listen to this uh, snippet. What would Graham have done? Well, I, th- I think it would have been extremely difficult, actually. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, during that time, uh, say the world was worrying about a different bug then. It was worrying about the millennium bug. Yes. And it was worrying about what was going to happen when the clocks ticked over at... Um, uh, from midnight to one mm-hmm. second. And, of course, one of the effects of that was it... Um, it actually made companies bring forward a lot of technology investment in the late 90s. Um, and on the top of that was layered the, inter- the whole dot-com bubble, and the, uh, which was really based around the, the, the growing um, focus, fascination, and investment in uh, leveraging the internet. Mm-hmm. Um, but as you say, uh, technology really was not geared up for remote working. I and mean, I can remember in those days that often I would leave hotels and my phone bill would be more expensive than my accommodation bill because of all the time I spent on the phone and trying to download um, presentations at incredibly slow speeds. Um, I worked in, I was working in California for the whole of 2000 Mm -hmm. and the mobile phone I had, we had to be a special uh, mobile phone with dual SIM because the US and Europe were on different mobile phone standards at those times. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were beginning to, um, as you say, um, develop some of the infrastructure and some of the technology. So we were working with Cisco on sort of voice over IP mm-hmm. um, ideas. We were working with Microsoft and Vodafone on some of the early mobile apps. But I mean, this was in the early stages of where, you know, the, the height of sophistication was doing text messaging and a little bit of multimedia messaging on top, probably. But so I think it would have been extremely difficult because the environment we worked in and the business model we worked on was that basically, um, well, we did work on a business model that most people shouldn't be in the office, but that's because they should be working at the client. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, And therefore, we had very high density, hot desking for the mm-hmm. people who were in the office. So I think I think it would have been extremely difficult because I think the technology 
um, wouldn't really um, have allowed um, the sort of response that 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 we actually that we actually followed. Mm -hmm. So I think we would have either had to have um, um, probably sort of tried to optimize the situation of taking as much work as we could off-site and minimizing the the interactions with clients, which some of which we we could have done. Um, and we could have kind of rigged up certain elements of remote working, I, I would suspect. Uh, but I think it would have been very difficult and to do it within the time span mm. um, that we're talking about now. I mean, it, a lot of the stuff that's been done, I mean, one of the things that's been quite interesting um, uh, in the last two months in the UK is the way the state has been able to mobilize its power and its resources to make huge shifts in resource across the economy, which you won't, haven't seen since the Second World War, really. Mm -hmm. um, but but I, think it, I think it would have been I think it would have been quite difficult. And I think actually coming in around uh, 2000, early 2000, which in itself was a uh, was a downturn anyway, <laughs> I think it would have been uh, would have been quite quite catastrophic to a lot of the consulting world um, in the short term. I mean, obviously, these things, they go through cycles and, 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 and people come back again as well. Um, but I think, I think it would have exacerbated um, the recession uh, at the, in the sort of 2000, 2001 time. Mm -hmm. no, I, I, totally, mm. I totally agree with you. I, I wanted to put that question to you because I just thought it absolutely impossible during that time. How would we have done what we've yeah. done then now? <laughs> without the technology in place. And one of the things you mentioned in terms of our business model in the consulting world was to be out at client site, to be yeah. to face with them. And the consulting business is very much a face-to-face -face business and being in front of the clients. And we talk about, it's all about being, building sound relationships and durable relationships over a period, shadowing them even, depending on the service that we're offering. Can this happen in a virtual setting? I mean. What is consulting going to look like going forward? And are we looking at a, a new era of consulting through remote digital technological means? First, do you agree that a major change is required? And if yes, um, will, it be, will we be as effective as um, consulting was pre-COVID-19? Um, well, I think, I think first of all, we have to remember is consulting is quite a broad church. Mm -hmm. um, and there are, so I, for example, I have two clients. Uh, one is a, an economic policy consultancy and one is a data analytics consultancy. And if you look at their business models, um, they, they actually spend very little time at client sites. They probably spend time with the clients at the beginning and the end of the engagement. But a lot of the work they do, they do off-site. They can download or suck. Um, the data that they need from the client and they can model it and analyze it. Um, typically, they would have done that in their offices, but equally, um, I'm sure it would be equally feasible for them to do that um, working remotely. Mm -hmm. So I think there are some, some consulting jobs where they already work uh, and they're able to do a lot of their work um, off-site. Um, the, there are, I then look at another um, consultancy client that I have at the moment, or I did have until until the pandemic came and everything got put on hold, of course. Um, but um, where it, this was a firm of solicitors with a number of offices, and I was reviewing their whole back office for them. 
And basically there I sort of interviewed about 25% of their staff to start with. Now, obviously I could have done some of that through Skype or Zoom or Teams or whatever. It's, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it as effectively or as efficiently. And certainly it changes the dynamic um, in, in the way you interact with people. Um, I mean, video, video is obviously better than audio, but it's still not as good as face-to-face. And uh, there's no substitute for when you're working with a client is to actually spend time on the client site to get a real good feeling of the kind of environment of the client, of how it feels to be there as a way of understanding and to really understand the, the cultural side of the business that you can't understand mm. from just talking to people individually. So I think you could take some of that into the virtual world. You can't take all of it into the virtual world. This was a recording with Jean-Pierre Vouillemier, the Swiss CEO of Startup Invest. I had to rehearse his name for a day or so. It was, at the time, so complicated for me to pronounce. Now it just rolls off the tongue, you know, Vouillemier. Um, It was an insightful conversation about what do we do next? While we all sat around in 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 lockdown, what happens next? What's going on? It, it, it was just a really crazy time of uncertainty, and you probably can hear it in our voices. Have a listen. You know, change is happening because you have to change. It's not because you want to change. You know, it's mm-hmm. like oh, oh, I'm I'm trapped. I have to find another solution. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. so now everybody's working from home, and and we are discovering all these great virtual tools, and we are building new ones. We're discovering on a daily basis new tools coming out. So I, I strongly believe that many companies will be more open to kind of you know have a mix maybe of home office and, and not home office because they found out it's working right now. So why shouldn't it work after the crisis? Mm-hmm. And I see the the real estate market running into a really big problem like co-working spaces and, and, and office buildings, you know, like they were building them crazy because the interest rates were kind of zero in Switzerland. So we will run into big, big issues there. So there's going to be another little crisis out of this big crisis, but life, um, I feel like this virtual aspect of working will remain. I, I, I strongly believe, you know, disruption or changes Fundamental changes normally occur in a crisis, not if we are doing fine. Mm-hmm. We don't change. Why should we change, right? We don't go out of the comfort zone if we don't have to. That's true. That's just how, how we are. <laughs> I mean, it's, everybody's like that, right? Do you feel comfortable with that remaining, with this new virtual way of working? Do you think- yes, I, you know, because I, I already did it. Uh, or uh, last year and this year, I was always, or, because I have a second home in South Africa, so I was working all the time i was already using virtual tools all the time yes. and and we managed to organize the startup days in 2019 and and many other events uh, not having me all the time in switzerland you know not being there mm-hmm. so i even did last year i already started to do some virtual coaching because i was here so and it worked you know so some people say well but you can't do that you know it's it's virtual coaching is not going to work and i said come on it works it, it works. It's not the same. Yes, it's not kind of, you know, it, it's not um, it's not as intense maybe, but it takes a bit more time, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it worked already. And, and now it, it will stay. Yeah. I think it will be much more accepted and, um, yes. and uh, yes. 
and companies will now um, also install or have the tools uh, that will make it really work, you know. What should the exit strategy be for organizations, startups even? And what I mean by this is that now everything is in lockdown. Um, how should organizations ramp up things again, you know, get things going once we're given the green light and they're no longer in lockdown? How, what, what, would, you, what would you say? What, what should they start doing? Well, uh, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. <laughs> yeah, for, for us, um, yeah, let's take all the so, so now we are starting to organize virtual events and yes. by the time this is up and running and, and runs well, we, we, uh, we, we find ourselves uh, having the question, should we do a real event again, you know, and we might just do it, right? We might just do it uh, because we are very fast executors and we, we might just uh, do that. But for me, it will, it will, what we will keep is definitely both formats we will keep the real ones like the startup days and other but we will keep the virtual um, concept we we will not give it up now because you know the startup match.ch will not disappear because covid disappeared it mm -hmm. will stay it will be improved and it will probably play an important role even in the future because there are not events every day so now uh, for startups uh, once they are free again well what can i tell you i <laughs> Talk to your customers, <laughs> go and see them and, and, and uh, find your, the money you need and, and, you know, get your people back on board. And, but I, there's no recipe for that. You know, there's no plan. Uh, you just have to, to do what, what needs to be done uh, once you, you, you can move again and you can ramp up again. Now that concludes this episode of the Look Back series. I hope you enjoyed these snippets and do check out the full original episodes in the show notes. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.